Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, author, speaker, five-time business owner, and mentor, Ann McNeil. Hey, what you drink? Okay, just when you thought that this could not get any better, because the guests that we've had on here have been absolutely amazing. I know what you're thinking. There's no possible way that this show can get any better. Okay, well, hold on, because uh, I have brought on in the past some of my coaches that I work with. I've brought on some in the past, some of the friends that I just have in my contact list. Now I want to share with you one of the people that I look to for inspiration, one of the people that I look to for mentorship and direction, and probably one of the only people on the planet that can get me to wake up at five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. (laughs) Miss Ann McNeil, welcome to the Whiskey Jazz and Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the room. I am so excited to have you. Galen, 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 I'm excited to be here. May not as be excited as excited as you are, but I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'll tell you, we, we've got a lot to catch up on, a, a lot to share with my audience because uh, you have been such a wealth of inspiration for me. I just can't wait for my listeners to understand why I am so excited about this conversation. So the, the first question everyone knows is coming. So everyone knows and, you know, sitting in your car or walking on your treadmill, wherever you're listening to this, say it with me. Come on. Here's the first question. So what you drinking? Black tea. Not as black as me, but it's black tea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, hey, well, black, you know, black tea, that there's a place for that. You know, I, I had to reach in the back of my case to grab one of my favorites for this conversation, because this is going to be one of my favorite conversations. I had to reach for one of my favorites. So I am going to open up some Calumet Farms, 14-year bourbon whiskey. I'm just going to open this up right quick. 
and I'm going to pour just a little bit oh my gosh this is it <laughs> this is it you know of the whiskeys and, and bourbons that I can get this is my absolute favorite I, I've got some that I, I, I may like a little better but I can't find it as easily, but this one is available and I just keep it in rotation. So that's what I'm going to sip on today. Some Calumet Farms 14 year. And as I enjoy this, please share with my audience, you know, just a little bit about your story because you've done a lot. You, you've done a lot. You've touched a lot of people. I can't wait for them to understand, appreciate why I'm excited about how you're going to touch them. So if you could just share a little bit about your background, that would be great. Well, Gaylord, I always like to start my story with the struggle, with the challenge, with that one day in my life when I decided I was not going to do this anymore. I decided I could not take it anymore. And I found my other self. And I share when I speak keynote train, I always share the story about the fact that you must have a dream to have a dream come true. And one of my favorite authors is Howard Thurman, and he shares a story about death. Many people have shared the story from Les Brown to many others. And it goes like this, you know, when death comes, just imagine you're lying on your deathbed. And standing all around you are not your friends or your family, not your loved ones or your co-workers, but standing all around your deathbed are your dreams, your goals, you know, the book you were going to write, the business you were going to start, that trip. And all of your dreams, Galen, they're standing around your deathbed, as Howard Thurman shares the story. And he says that they look at you, Galen, and they're staring at you with their large, angry eyes, Galen. And they're saying, we only came to you, Galen. Only you could have given us life. Now we must all die with you forever. And so on December 31st, 1979 at 9 p.m., when my friends decided to go out and celebrate the new year with my husband, and I decided to stay home and read that infamous book, Thinking Grow Rich, for the first time, I found my other self in the words of Howard Thurman. And that night, when the author asked me those six questions, which they are six steps to riches, I, I didn't have an answer. And the first question was, how much money do you want? And that's why I start the story talking about Howard Thurman, because I'd never been asked that question before about how much money do I want? I just did what everybody else did. You know, you go to school, you get a good education, you go get a good corporate job. And so I'm old enough, Galen, to, to have been born, not during slavery, but but born at a time when people were riding the back of the bus. I remember my mom holding my hand as we would get on and off the bus. And that's the back of the bus, of course. So I'm old enough to remember that. But I'm also young enough to have benefited from the 1964 Civil Rights Act that allowed us to go into public places and sit, in, sit wherever we want and get whatever job we want. And, and during that time in the 70s and the 60s, almost Blacks wanted to be in corporate America. And so we followed suit. And so that's where my story start. And that night I started really looking at myself for the first time as an adult and asking those questions, how much money? I never thought about that. The second question he asked me, Galen, was what are you willing, Ann McNeil, to do in return for the money? What kind of product or service you're willing to sell? I had a good corporate job. I, I wasn't selling anything. 
And the third question he asked me was about what date did I want that money by? And as you know, from walking through the, you know, the pages of Think and Grow Rich, every time we get to those questions, our answers change as we change and as we grow. But that night, it was a first for me. And I just kept reading like most of us do. And I got to question number four. And he said, okay, now where's your plan of action? Right now, give me your plan of action. Don't wait. Don't turn another page. Stop right now, Ann McNeil. I mean, I'm, this is how I'm living the words that night. And I kept reading. Step number five said, okay, now you have decided how much money, doing what, by when, you have your plan. Now you must recite this twice a day, once upon the rising in the morning and once upon going to bed at night. And the last step said you would repeat this twice a day. So I decided that night to go back to question one and really answer the question, Galen, and say, Ann McNeil, how much money do you really want? And I'd like to ask you that question, Galen, and everybody listening to your podcast. You know, if we just get off the treadmill for once in our lives and really look at the person in the mirror and say, how much do you really want? Because it's not enough just to say, oh, I want a lot of money. Depending upon where you are in life, a lot of money when I was a child was $10, $100. $1,000 was a lot of money in 1979. And I said, I'd I'd like to have $1,000. And so then the second question he asked me as if he's talking to me directly, nobody else but me, he said, okay, Amy, now, what are you going to do? How are you going to get $1,000? And I didn't know anything other than to say, I'm going to save the money. But Galen, by the time I I got to question number three and he asked me by what date, I I said a, a year from today would be good. But when I got to number four, Galen, this was now 10 o'clock. I started at nine. This is 10 o'clock. I sat there from 10 to four o'clock in the morning and I could not answer that question on how I was going to save a thousand dollars a year. And I had a good corporate job. And so I went through the whole mindset of I did everything my parents told me to do. And I know we have some professional people out there that can relate to this. You know, we do. You know, our parents wanted better for us than they had. So they didn't want us to go work in the fields. They don't want you to go do hard labor. They want you to have better. Go to school and have better. You can do better. But what they did not know, they couldn't tell us was how. What's that dream that's going to pull you to the next level and then the next level and the next level? And so that night, Galen and I went through all of the you know, the exercises, if I took out a sheet of paper, I did the math and I kept coming up with negative numbers on how I was going to make that money and save the money. And I just, I couldn't do it. And I thought about the fact that I had been climbing the ladder of success in the corporate world at that point in my life. And that night for the first time, I realized that that wall for me, that ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Mm. Let me say that again. That night, I realized that that ladder that I've been climbing in the world of corporate. Now, this is my story. I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about Ann McNeil. That night, the realization hit me that I could not go to my boss and say, give me a raise. I need to save $1,000. I couldn't go to those bills that I had that was causing me not to be able to, to, to balance my checkbook because I had property that people were living in and I didn't have the guts to get them out. And so I was paying mortgages for people to live for free. So when I began to drill down into why was I in the situation, which, and I'll say for myself, up until that point, I wasn't willing to do that. I wasn't willing to face the fact that I had not become the person I needed to become 
to have what I wanted to have. And so it was a real wake up call. It was finding my other self. It was realizing that I was just on a treadmill and I could just keep like that hamster on that treadmill running faster and faster, but standing still. So at four o'clock in the morning, my husband and friends started walking in the door and I, I, I was sitting there Galen crying. And of course, my husband thought I was crying over him, you know, being a man. Four o'clock in the morning, you know, New Year's night, you just coming in. And uh, being a woman, I let him think I was crying over him. But the realization is that I was crying because I was, I realized I was hopeless. You see, I was working on a master's degree, working in corporate at the time and planned to get a PhD. Let me say that again. I was planning on getting a PhD pilot higher and higher because that's what I was told I needed to do because I was not good enough in corporate to go to the next level even though I was the number one black person, you know how the HNIC in corporate and nobody in your department is black out of 2000 employees in management. And I was in my early twenties. Where was I going to corporate in that firm? And so now let me fast forward the story and we can get to, to the interview. I continued to read this book the following day. And, and I came upon the chapter that talked about the mastermind group. And the author said, look, take your goals, and identify other people that have the same struggle you have. Mm. Let me say that again. He said, find people who are of like mind and like spirit that have the same struggle you have and help them overcome their challenge and struggle. And by doing that, you will help yourself and they will help you overcome yours. And so I just started giving the book away. And of course, like minds and like spirits, we had the same struggles and challenges. And eventually about 10 women came together and we decided to form our first mastermind group. And that was early 80s. And we met every single Saturday morning at 7 a.m. when we rotated people's homes. And we only focused on that one page. How much do I what by when? And over the years, we picked up lots of books that we began to read and we began to fill in other areas. But now let me fast forward now 30 years later. 30 years later from doing that process, literally, 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 day in, day out. And people said, how do you do that? We all must have a dream that's so large, it pulls you to it like a magnet. And oftentimes when we become stagnant in our life and in our business and our, in our desires, it's because of lack of clarity about what is it that you're aspiring to achieve, to become, to have, or to do. And so for me, the first business that, that came out of this was the construction company. 30 years later, I, I became the first black female contract in our state operating at the level that we do. And that level is where we focus on billion dollar programs. I had two, two appointments today, Galen, with two different clients, multi-billion dollar organizations, both of them. And they're calling me about how to help them. And that's largely because I made a conscious decision to level up my, I'm a small business. But I'm very clear about the fact that just because I am small, I don't have to think small. So many things that have come out of this journey. And I will say, though, that I did finally save that thousand dollars. Took me 10 years, literally. Mm -hmm. But this is what I learned also in the process, Galen. Even though it took me 10 years to finally get out of debt, totally out of debt, all those properties. And that's how I ended up in construction. But also, one of the things we seldom talk about is learning how to make the money make money. You see, so it wasn't so much about learning how to save $1,000 a year. Once I hit that, then I set a goal to save $1,000 a 
a month. And once I hit that, I learned how to save $1,000 a week. And once I hit that, now my goal is to learn how to save $1,000 a day, right? And so in my affirmation that I read and write every day, I added the word after years going by and doing this is I added the word passive. You know, my goal is to make passive income of a certain amount. And it's not so much about the money, Galen, as much as it is who I am becoming in the journey and what I'm learning, but more importantly, serving in terms of, you know, having a servant heart to give and to serve, you know, and so business after business after business we've created over the years. But that was the journey of how I got here with the first business of the construction company. Wow. There's so much in that story. I, I never grow tired of hearing that story. And it, it comes to mind, it brings to mind some work that uh, I did, some study I did with a lecturer by the name of Hal Gregerson. And he wrote the book, The Question is the Answer. Very often we spend a lot of time thinking we know the answer, therefore let's keep it moving. But the thing that you did is you actually took time to think What's the real question here? What what am I doing this for? What do I really, really want to have? And what is my plan for getting it? And and not letting yourself off the hook that so many of us will do. We will let ourselves off the hook and say, oh, well, that's that's simple. Everyone knows what this is for. But you didn't let yourself off the hook. And that had to be a, a challenging time, you know, to your point that you were crying <laughs> for several hours <laughs> when you came to the realization that you had been trying to address the wrong problem all those years. Talk to me a little bit about how you have continued to ask yourself those questions, although it would be simple to say, well, I answered that question 30 years ago, right? There's no need for me to read the book. I've read the book you know, 20 times already. Clearly, I know what this is about. There's no need for me to go through this process and be honest with myself. Why do you continue to put yourself through those paces, although you could and you have written the book on how to use this process? I, I think, Galen, it's a journey. There's really not a destination. And so for every goal I've set, life absorbs a vacuum. And so each goal that has been set requires the lifting of the mind to grow and to stretch and to become all that God would have us to be. And so it's not so much about the man-made goal, if you will. It's not so much about the money because we, we've made millions. Uh, we've lost millions, of course, too, but we've made millions. I think it's more about the becoming, if you will, becoming a better mother. I have dates with my children my husband, my grandchildren, and becoming a better lover to my husband. We won't talk about that. That's another show. Um, no, 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 now you're laughing. And I think there's a place for that because as grownups, we don't talk about the little thing. It's not the big things we do. Mm. And many of your listeners, they have a significant other. And so often we can we can be on that journey, on that ladder, even in our marriage, that, you know, it's leaning against the wrong wall. I mean, it was years before I realized my boyfriend 
was a different type of personality than I am an A-type personality. Mm. And he's not, you know, everything has to be in its place for him. And it took me a good 20 some odd years out of our 40 some odd years to realize that meant me too. I have a place. And so when I'm out of place, that's not a good thing in the marriage. But when I'm in place and I'm centered, he's a happy man. Mm. So my point is, it is the becoming. So when I talk about this process of masterminding and answering your question, it is also the becoming of of a better employee and employer and becoming a better listener, if Mm. you will, and becoming a better servant. I'm from Riviera Beach, a city that's a beautiful city, reminds you of any island in the world, you know, with the yachts and all of these, all of these things. And I read a book uh, entitled Acres of Diamonds many, many years ago, living in another city, left home, my hometown. And I realized, wait a minute now, the book talks about, uh, it shares a story about uh, a guy from biblical days. Let's call him uh, Ahab. So Ahab woke up one morning and he was happy and content. He had a little house and a little wife, two little children, little stream in the backyard, and he was happy and he was content. The priest comes by and the priest says, Ahab, listen, man, you can do better than this. You know, you should search the world for diamonds and your wife can have a bigger house. You know, you can have many camels to ride or hunt. You know, your kids can have better clothes and a better school and just better stuff to play with. You really should do better than this. That same day, Galen, Ahab went to bed unhappy and discontented. So the following morning, he gets up, Galen, and he sells his farm. He puts his family out to his relatives so that he can go search the world for diamonds so that he can have all of this stuff. You know the stuff we want, the big house, the big car, you know the stuff. I'm talking to your audience, I'm not talking to you, but anyway. So all of you listeners, you know the stuff that we travel the world for. Well, the story goes that Ahab lost everything. He lost his dream, he lost his money, and for years he never found the diamonds. So one day he just decided, to throw himself in the river and drown. Now, meantime, the man that bought his farm is standing out back, just admiring the stream, and he sees something glittering. Now, don't get ahead of me. Don't don't get ahead of me now. He sees something glittering in the pond. He goes and he scoops it up. Wow, glass, another handful of glass. He takes it and sets this one big piece of glass on the mantle. Same day, same priest comes by. And the priest comes in, he says, oh, Ahab, Ahab is back. The guy said, no, no, he sold the farm to me. The priest says, well, that's that's on the mantle, that's a diamond. And the guy says, no, that's not a diamond. That's just a lot of rocks, glass rocks in the backyard in the stream. The stream is full of those rocks. And the priest says, no, 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 no. I know diamonds when I see them. That's a diamond. Now, to wrap the story up, Galen, the tale goes on to say it was the largest diamond find in the world was in that man's backyard. 
Now, what's my point and what does that story has to do with me? We search the world for that which we must find inside of ourselves. We search the world for that which we must find in our own hometown. So when I read this book for the first time about 20 years ago, I didn't really get it. But then five years later, I read it for the second time. I didn't really get it then. But by the third time I read it, Galen, I said, oh, my God, that's me. I'm that man. So I need to go back home to Riviera Beach, where I came from, and begin to serve and find the diamond mines from inside. God has blessed me to do well, but I need to do good by going back. Well, let me say this, Galen. That's been about 10 years now. And last month, I just secured the first public-private partnership in my hometown, a project that includes five different fire stations was started out as a seed, a a mustard seed that could possibly turn into $100 million of an opportunity because I started a blog talk show called I Am, hashtag I Am Riviera Beach. And I interview many people from our city. Our city was the first with the black mayor, the first with the black city council, the first with a black police chief and so many firsts. And then come to find out I'm a first from our city, first black female contractor in our state. And so I'm saying that going back to serving and how these books, if we allow them, can take on a life of their own as we serve, you know, others above self. And it's not so much, again, about the money. It's about the service that we can provide to others. But that would never happen, though, Galen, if we don't overcome the struggle. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.